0: I was pleased to see you smile at
1: the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct.
2: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And guys, looking at our place in the standings, I was thinking, in that first game, very likely that we play the New Orleans Pelicans who have Jonas Valanciunas. And if we win that game, we're likely to face either Nikola Jokic or Ivica Zubac in the second play-in game. If we get through that gauntlet, it's very likely that we face DeAndre, not very likely, we will face DeAndre Eaton in the first round of the playoffs. And looming just outside of the play-in is uh, Jakob Pertl. The reason I bring all of these names up is these are all the big physical centers that the Lakers have struggled with this season. And so as the team starts taking shape and kind of finding the best version of itself. Obviously, Anthony Davis will address the biggest part of what needs to be addressed against those really big guys, right? There's only so much we can do, but we've got a game tonight against one of the best in the league, if not the best of those types of players in the league, in Joel Embiid. And so today's pod is going to be about solving Goliath, because if we want to get as far as we can possibly go, uh, that is going to be a central issue and one that's plagued the Lakers throughout this season. So I'd love your perspective on the challenges and th- the difficulties and possible solutions going forward with going up against the really big guys of the NBA.
1: Yeah, this is where I wish that the Lakers didn't sign Dwight Howard in his falloff season because a guy like Dwight would be super helpful even with Anthony Davis in the fold. I think we've forgotten, like the pivot to Russell Westbrook triggered this idea of like playing smaller and spacing the floor for a long time and for much longer stretches. But people may not have realized that Russ and AD and Dwight as a trio, when they've played together, they've been actually pretty good there hasn't been a lot of minutes and so the ability to be able to still play anthony davis at power forward some as a secondary guy against teams that go really big is super helpful and so in talking all about that obviously ad is the biggest solution mike but i wish they had like a second big that was actually viable in a lot of these these matchups and not and more viable than then like, okay, does Dwight have it tonight? Because maybe they play a team and it's just like, oh, look, look at Dwight. Like they played a national TV game and I can't remember who they played, Mike, but I was actually watching the national feed. And so Richard Jefferson was talking and he said that Dwight had come up to him before before the game. And Jefferson said that Dwight said like, hey man, you better like give me my love this game. And, you know, Richard Jefferson, he's a jokester too. And so he said basically like, look, man, I'll say your name when you deserve to have your name discussed, right? Like, don't be out here saying like, show me respect if you're going to be out here not, not playing well. And that was the game that Dwight came out and he had like 10 points and 10 rebounds or nine rebounds. Like in the first quarter, he came out and dominated.
2: It was the first game after the All-Star break. So he had like nine days off before that game,
1: which I think is informative uh, with respect to Dwight. Yes, but even now, Pete, Dwight's not playing every night. And so his minutes are down. His Like he's getting days off between appearances. And he still doesn't necessarily, sh- he's still not showing that he has that high level even once every fourth night or every fifth night. And, and so, Mike, I think that, Having that second big, because I don't think you can just say, hey, AD, go out there and do it all. Or, hey, AD and LeBron, you are our two bigs. Go out there and defend these guys. And so, where are you at with that? And is that ask too big for AD and LeBron against those best, those high caliber bigs around the league?
3: When Pete first introduced the topic, I was thinking, yeah. Those guys are all pretty tough and it hadn't even occurred to me immediately. That, oh, yeah, wait, Anthony Davis, you know, might be there for those games. And so that, that of course is the, is the biggest thing and, and we can get into that. But the, what we've seen recently and more recently in the last, let's, let's just say the last month, right? Just, just trying to judge March, you know, Dwight's legs, I think have taken in mellow to an extent too have taken a hit even from when, where they were earlier this season. And of course, of course, both of them have been asked to do more than what they, A, should have done, and B, be, be, like between what those guys could have expected that they would have done. And sometimes there's a gulf there. There's a difference between what the player and, and kind of the coaching staff and how they want to be have that guy used. And in this case, there just hasn't been much of a choice. And I think that, you know, Frank literally hasn't had another option against certain teams, but to go to Dwight. And for a while, I think it was, it was helping more than it was hurting. And maybe like, I'm at a point where I think that Dwight does need like three to four to five days, you know, to really find a way to get his legs. And we've seen that we saw that after the all-star break. So I'm, I'm more thinking depending on what that positioning is and how much you care about home court versus, not home court against New Orleans, which I do care by the way, that you know I'd like him to have five days off before that yeah or like two days off before that and then the problem is then they gotta play again the play in, in the day after and so really who your your two bigs become and the ask becomes well, who else could we ask to do a lot more well how about LeBron James Pete you know how about, how about, how about the guy? that you're having to ask to do so much. So what what are your thoughts on this topic? Or do you start with it?
2: Yeah, Dwight is an interesting place to start because he's the most logical and the one we've gone to most when we've needed to. Cleveland is an example of that. Even though they had Jared Allen out, there's still a big front line between Mobley, Markinen, and Kevin Love off of the bench. And so Dwight played in that game, but he was a minus 13 in a game we won by 11, 12 points. And as you watch him in those types of game, th- games, the way that Dwight doesn't have his legs tonight kind of manifest is he can barely move. And so there's a, a certain amount of like you look over at your bench and it's all of these small guys and the other team's really big. And then you have Dwight Howard. It's like this very obvious – uh Option to go to. But Darius, those are times where, like, we give up a lot of points against a lot of teams. We can't defend on the perimeter. We're going to be giving up in drop coverages, Mike, all of these, you know, pretty easy looks in a way where I think he's a bit fool's gold in this respect, unless he's had, unless he's got it that night. And I think that both Dwight and Mello fit that description as well, that they should both be luxuries of a, oh, I hope if they got it tonight, let's roll with them. But if not, going in different directions. And I think with, Gabriel's edition, we're a little more equipped to have somebody that can go out there and fill some of those minutes, but it's certainly a a challenge.
3: So just just a quick check into the net rating and into the stats for March. And I think that this this shows what the eyes tell you, but Dwight's minus 18.8, Mellow's minus 16.4, and then Oof. THT is minus 15. These are all and net ratings? These are all yeah, these are all net ratings. Just just for March only. On the other side, Ellington. Now he hasn't played enough minutes really to qualify. He's plus fourteen, but I'll, we'll kind of dismiss that. But the like Wenyen Gabriel is right there with Stanley Johnson um, behind Russ, who actually is first in March net rating at two point six. Stanley and Wenyan are both one point eight, and you know I think part of that just reflects the the more recent stretch once Gabriel has been playing more in this road trip which is when the bulk of those minutes from Gabriel came and the Lakers as a team were just playing better. So you have to take that into, uh, into context. But it just there's there is those to me don't seem fake, like fake numbers, even though it's a small sample size. I think that there's probably a reason for that.
1: No. And I think that that this idea of solving Goliath, there's lots of ways to beat Goliath. If you have another Goliath, boom. Yeah, let's go. Right. Like, let's battle the trenches. Let's mm-hmm. go heads up. Like two bulls just head to head right there. But the story of Goliath, he gets beat by a small dude, a dude named David. And so let's go to break here. And when we come back on the other side, I want to get into how Stanley and Gabriel and LeBron supplement AD as that speed option against other bigs.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: So, Pete, there's not too many bigs in the league that are both big and fast, right? There's like the Lakers have one. His name is Anthony Davis. Right. But the Lakers play tonight against Philly. Joel Embiid is not a fast guy. He, he is quick. He can play in small areas and be explosive, but he is not a run up and down the court guy. And all of those dudes you mentioned before, Valanchunas, Zubats, they're all in that Embiid mold, right, to varying degrees. And so one of the ways that I think the Lakers need to leverage the tools that they do have is be like, okay, well, we're not big and we're not fast or we're not big and we're not strong, but we can be fast. We can be quick. We can get up and down the floor. We can swarm. We can scramble. We can do all of these things that you need to do against bigger teams and That plays right into this idea of like what the natural shape of the Lakers really is. Like, look, I'll put Anthony Davis toe to toe against any big guy in the league and say, look, man, like we need it tonight. Go get it. And I trust that he's going to be great. Like he's Anthony Davis. But in those non AD minutes against bigger lineups, it's like, okay, well, how do you not get ransacked? by some of these these dudes. And I think a lot of it has to be with that idea of like, no, 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 we got to run around. We got to be active and we got to get our hands in there and scramble and do all of this stuff. And, and so where do you then see Gabriel and Stanley and even some of the other wings, like the guards, like what do they need to bring to the table in order to thwart these bigger dudes? So
2: in short, it's energy and being able to win some battles above the rim or in the air in particular and doesn't always have to be above the rim, but every tap out Russell Westbrook rebound for a defensive board or when in Gabriel putting a body on somebody and he is going to get bumped off his spot. He's not particularly strong relative to a lot of the guys that he's going up against, but that ability to fly in from the weak side on rebounds re- really, it comes down to rebounding is if it's not the number one issue here, it's very close to that. And it's a matter of somebody down low puts a body on him, lean on his legs so he can't jump. And then the guy from the weak side, if it's Wayne and Gabriel, Malik Monk can do this. Russell Westbrook can do this. Although Russ, that's one of the things I've come to realize is he's much more of a around the basket rebounder than a fly in from the perimeter rebounder. He's already under the basket. So That's one of the ways that smaller guys can get rebounds is you're defending your guy beyond the three point line. The shot goes up on the other side of the court and you're dropping down because it is Russell Westbrook putting a body on someone and you're winning Gabriel and now you're flying in and you can get a rebound. Ten feet six inches above the rim, right, or at least knock it away, and that 's what a lot of re- defensive rebounding comes down to is like someone puts a body on the much bigger guy down low, someone else flies in to knock it away, but they're usually not going to be the one that secures it, and then a third guy is down there to corral it, and then that 's when the the speed and spacing of the team can transition to the offensive end, and even in half court sets i've been i i've always thought that a certain amount of I've always thought that this team was going to like click into place, ob- almost in an overnight type of sense. That once they figured it out offensively, and that's been the big question throughout the years. Like, why are we so bad on offense? But if you can get a Joel Embiid or a Valanciunas a Zubats. Rotating around on the perimeter against a ball handler in drive and kick situations. And that's one of the great things about even a Stanley Johnson who he'll sometimes hit threes, but if he doesn't have that nice, comfortable open three, he's going to drive and probably make a good passing read to somebody. And now zoos in rotation, those types of guys. That's how across the league, the, the Goliaths around the league have been beaten. David did not beat Goliath in an up close. Fist fight. He beat him from a long way away with a slingshot, right? He beat him from distance. And I think that that's, and Mike, for me, I would much rather be able to go big. That would definitely be the first option. But in, I think that's part of the um, allure of Dwight in that respect. But I think that the better version of ourselves on both ends of the floor is one that goes about it in a slightly different way.
3: Yeah. And, and that's all, that's all tot- totally sensible stuff. I'm thinking with, ADs returning to that group. And if they can sustain this level of play that has been really marked to me more by energy and effort. uh, And and I think the style has come along with that, but that these last three games, and again, barring that bad fourth quarter against Washington, that's been such a key element uh, to, to guys actually flying around and actually coming in and helping rebound. And, and those things that just had seemed to be absent for the stretch Directly after which they lost Anthony Davis both times this year. The same thing happened, where it was almost just this kind of depression, almost yeah, right. This kind point. of lull out and there, and then they got better. Yeah, and then they got better uh, for a stretch, and then Davis came back, right? And then they tried <laughs> to figure it out again, and so they're they're now with that. And Frank Vogel actually made this point a couple of post games ago. He's like, "Yeah, look, we this the stretch right after we lost AD has been rough, and we're we've now adjusted some to it." And can AD then adjust to what it is right now? Can he slide right in to that mix in and, and the way that they're playing these last couple of games, I think would be a very easy way for him to slide into
1: AD still going to need to be the guy on defense is like way more than anything else. Like Mike, I was just looking at the March numbers that you were discussing in terms of individual net rating, but the Lakers are actually top half of the league in offense. In March, I think their offensive rating, if I've got this right, is 114.4
2: and they're second or third over the last 3 games. So that's very very much buttressed by that.
1: Y- yes, yes. And but defensively they're awful. They're, I think, twenty seventh in the league. They're mm-hmm. almost giving up one hundred and twenty points per one hundred possessions, and AD is not going to solve that all on his own. And if the Lakers are expecting that, they're wrong,
3: <laughs> and that's the wrong perspective to take. Well, even the Cavs game, Darius, they just—they basically just outscored them. You know, it wasn't like they were getting all, all these stops; like they were just nope. nuclear on offense. It's well, our best
1: shot. Yeah, well, that's the thing, though, is that and Russ talked about this a post game or two ago mike i don't know if he singled out gabriel or if the premise of the question was was gabriel but the idea of the shape of the the shape of the offense and the spacing and the lanes and the angles and the attack the attacks that that sort of creates with that sort of spacing on the floor when you actually are playing more five out and with a guy who is willing to shoot that three. And even if you are in group send with Stanley Johnson, it's just like, well, Stanley is a driving kick player as much as anything else. So the wheel is going. And one of the things that I appreciated in the Cavs game was I think the Lakers had 34 assists. Now, you don't get assists without making the shots, but the the nature of those assists wasn't like, okay, LeBron's pounding the ball at the top of the key. Pound, 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 pound. Like there were possessions like this, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't just LeBron pounding the ball and then like, okay, five seconds left, let me drive and kick to a shooter that's in the corner and he hits a contested three. Now, look, that's an assist too. Creating that shot is helpful and we shouldn't devalue that. But the way that the Lakers are going to not be a bottom 10 offense or a bottom five offense is by driving and kicking and replacing and swing swing like oh now this guy is wide open and he's wide open not because the defense is saying like yeah i'm not gonna guard you he's wide open because they've already had to close out twice and now that third rotation is coming from the opposite side of the paint And trying to get to the three point line and you're just not going to get there. These two things are going to go hand in hand, Mm -hmm. right? The Lakers are going to need to get better defensively. Getting better defensively is going to help their transition offense game most, I think, which is going to allow them to run bigger players off of the court or take advantage of them enough where the other team's coach is going to be like, well, can we play this dude this much? Right. But the other part of that is, is in the half court, they're going to have to leverage their quickness a lot more. And they've been doing that lately. And so I'm encouraged by what I've seen. But but what have you seen on that aspect? Because I think that this is a key part of the equation.
2: Yeah, let's take one last break. And when we come back, let's address defending in the half court when you're small. One of the things that's bittersweet about the amount of time that we have left is we're not going to get to all of the things that we need to get to to be good at with the personnel that we need to run it, right? So the fact that we look functional is very much tied to personnel, to the addition of Stanley and Wenin Gabriel. And Gabriel, again, I I is a guy who was a free agent for a reason, has been with several teams for a reason. But having another player who can credibly shoot while being active on the boards. He's he's the big that we've been talking about all all season, right? Now, I've wanted a five as well. I you know, and we didn't end up getting a le- legit five, but that guy who can be active and so the execution of these small ball defensive principles are more feasible than asking Carmelo Anthony to do it or even Taylen Horton-Tucker to do it because THT is a Let's talk about THT for a second, because his absence w- coincided with our two wins. Now, it'd be way too reductive to be like, all right, it's because of THT, right? Or Carmelo Anthony didn't play and then barely played in the other one. I think both of them, we've been talking about this this week, but it's Talon's a floor-bound player. And so in that whole dynamic of How do you swarm? How do you defend bigger guys of one guy's got to put a body on them? The other guy's got to jump through the air and then the other guy is going to track it down. Taylor really just does one of those things. He'll occasionally track down a loose ball, but he can put a body on someone down low and is well-equipped to do that. Big, strong guy, get into your legs, put some weight on you. You're not going to be jumping too high to battle that other guy that's flying in to get the rebound on the sandwich rebound, right? So he can do that very well, but he's not the guy that's going to come skying in for that defensive board. He's not going to track down a lot of the defensive rebounds. And then on the offensive end, there are spacing issues as well. So that is is what it comes down to me is our lineups are so sensitive that, for example, Dwight Dwight's plus minus the other night, we were actually okay with the starting group. It was when Gabriel went out for Malik Monk, which isn't to say Monk had a bad game or was anything like that. But collectively, we were then at that point too slow at one spot with Dwight and then very small everywhere else. And so the collective group, Mike, that's something that, we're really sensitive. Our lineups are really sensitive and Vogel's tried so many different things and is really close to it. But I think that that for me is probably what's going to determine how far we get is can we win those end of first quarter, beginning of second quarter type of minutes. And it all ties to the personnel on on the floor at any given time.
3: And boy, what an issue this has been all season, you know, just Mm -hmm. not having, not having two or sometimes even 3 of the guys that are either can't defend or just you know shouldn't be need basically need other players to make up for what the deficiencies are and it's part of this whole one of these theories that we talk about all the time and, and when you're optimizing a roster when the coach can just look on the floor and say all right I'm good with these 5 whatever the whatever the opponent does I know like they'll be able to figure it out they'll be able to hang and a predatory coach on the other side, like, a, you know, a Ty Lu or a Spolstra, somebody that's going to really see, oh, wait, you know, Malik Monk is on the floor next to Carmelo Anthony. And mm-hmm. and in, in with this lineup and Dwight Howard's on it, okay, run this 10 times in a row. You know, that's go right. go run this, go do this. And when you play the fake teams and the teams that aren't that good, you know, that stuff is not, you can just get away with it. Except that if you're the Lakers, you have very few nights where the other team doesn't play well. And it's why that Washington loss was so frustrating because their first three quarters, that team was just not really locked in. They just weren't. They just weren't really plugged in. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, Christoph Porzingis goes six for seven after going three for ten on almost all bad shots in the first three quarters and not really being engaged and the Lakers... like It's happened a lot this year, but that, that type of game doesn't even present itself usually to the Lakers. Because the other team's like, oh, well, LeBron's on the court. So that means we have to be at our best, even if they're not at their best. And... So that's what's happened. And I think that that's where I've had a lot of sympathy for Frank this year is looking onto the bench and trying to figure out who we can put on the court that is not going to be next to somebody else that's on the court that is going to be an issue. And, you know, they've, but they've got right now, and especially with the addition of Anthony Davis, when you can then give even fewer minutes to one of those types of players, because if he's back, he's playing 35 minutes. And that's really good news for what your roster depth ends up turning into.
1: The idea that you just presented, Mike, about like what the other team does, that's like we talked about that a lot in the Lakers run to the championship. And we had these discussions, Pete and I, about rock, paper, scissors. Right. And the Lakers were such a shape shifting team that, oh, well, you're scissors. Well, today I'm rock. Oh, well, you're paper. Well, today I'm scissors right and mm-hmm. they could do whatever they wanted because that was the versatility that they had on their team frank's looking at his bench and he's seeing and he's looking at lineups within his own team and he's playing rock paper scissors within his own team like oh wait i've got paper on the floor i need some scissors to cover it up wait i don't have any scissors well maybe i'll just throw two rocks next to this paper and we'll try to smother and bludgeon but no like <laughs> but, but 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 that's not enough Right. Like that's but that's really how it's been going. And the weakness is there's not enough. There are not enough like connecting players. It's why Austin has been such an important player to to this team. It's why Gabriel in his own way has been an important player to the team. It's why Stanley Johnson has been an important player to to the team because their skill sets are connective skill sets. They are not the ball-dominant shot creator, like I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who's positioning everyone else. They are the guys who are saying like, you give me the ball second side and I can then attack a closeout and make a play for someone else. Like, oh, someone else is, has taken all of this attention. I'm going to cut right behind that and then I'm going to be able to finish when the defense rotates because I'm big enough to do that.
3: This also, Pete, gets to a point that I asked Frank about after the Wizards game, I believe. And it was – or was it before Was it before the game in Cleveland? Might have been before the game in Cleveland. Yeah. And it was essentially, okay, well, when – how much of it is nature and nurture when you're having to get on a guy to try and make extra effort and, and energy plays and stuff? And, and he gave a really honest answer and pointed in part to guys that have either been st- – not been stars, it's one thing, A, or just B, been the type of player that's come in to essentially, hey, go score. And not that, and we've talked about this throughout the season, not the kind of guy that has the capability or or the expectation in his own mind of doing all of those connective things. And so when, Darius, you just mentioned Gabriel and Johnson, Johnson has, has had almost like a Dwight-like desperation transition, To having to do some of those things when he came into the league, you know, Pete basically watched him grow up playing basketball in L.A. like as this huge dude with the ball that just dominated people, you know, and he basically was able to play that way at Arizona gets to Detroit, Stan Van Gundy. No, this this is not going to work. And it didn't work. Right. So in that and he's now one of the guy he's one of the role guys. Who is it's not totally nature. To, and, and that's why Austin has been such a standout. But I, I don't want to repeat that point again. It just was interesting to have Vogel just be like, well, yeah, of course, like this is what it's like. Welcome to my struggle. Welcome to my life.
2: And and that's why I, I know you thought I was a bit of a crazy person with the Wendy and Gabriel stuff. But like, just no, I'm, having I
3: didn't, I didn't I, I'm no, with you on that.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, but the idea that a guy who's bounced around the league on multiple teams that is, was an undrafted free agent would actually be really helpful. Now, again, I'm not talking like, and now we're going to win the championship. That's, that's not my point, but like,
3: we've been kind of like, you're, you're meaning you're like four, you're like end of the roster thing.
2: Not just the end of the roster, but like when in Gabriel's, when Gabriel's helped us win more games than either Trevor Ariza or DeAndre Jordan did. Oh yeah, yeah, Agreed. throughout yeah. their entire tenure, and yeah. because of this, the skill set that he has, of which motor is a big part of it. Yeah. That's the thing about this team. Like so, so much of the conversation about the the ultimate, you know, overall version has been about Russ, and I I I can I can buy the argument that Russ puts a cap on. What you're able to accomplish as a team that his is sh- between his shooting. He'll lose guys off of the ball. He'll make, uh, costly turnovers at the wrong time that all of that in a high level playoff series will come back to haunt you to a degree alongside the, his salary where you won't be able to win a championship. I think there's a very credible argument to be made for that, but he's not the reason why we're 31 and 41. And I think the reason that we are that is because look at all the guys that we're talking about that are contributing right now. They were like, what if Stanley Johnson had training camp with us and a role with us from the beginning or a Wenyan Gabriel type had that? These are all motor guys. And we've had this team that's this shell of these stars and former stars that even a guy like Carmelo Anthony can be very helpful in the correct role, even still. But we whiffed on all of the... All of the supposed D and three guys, that's what Kent Bazemore was supposed to do. That's what Trevor Ariza was supposed to do. Uh, guys like DeAndre Jordan and Dwight were supposed to be lob threats, obviously not not three and D threats, but a lob threat, and then rim protectors around the rim. In a lot of ways, that's, an, that's 0 for 4 right there. And the guys that we hit were the offensive guys, Malik, Melo. Just having guys like Stanley and, and Gabriel in those spots... Bringing it back to the whole Goliath idea, too, and how you beat them, one of the ways you do that is have five guys with some degree of skill on the floor. So maybe Stanley Johnson is the main guy. That ain't it. But Stanley Johnson off of a short roll or that idea of advantage creation, extension and finishing, LeBron's going to create the advantage. Anthony Davis will create advantage. Russell Westbrook will extend it, will create advantage. Stanley Johnson can extend advantage and sometimes finish it. And then a Gabriel is a similar type of thing, especially as a finisher, whether it's as a three-point shooter or just roll into the basket. We saw it in the Cleveland game, right? He presents some options in that respect. Just do tall guy things?
1: Just do call. we were like rejoicing about this in the text thread the other day. I had said, man, that it's just like – that when you and Gabriel doing tall guy things shouldn't stand out this much on on a basketball team and be this useful – but this was totally my is. point all along. But like, it totally is. Well, yeah, he, it's why I was calling for for the a, for, for a mm-hmm. forward to mm-hmm. slot between LeBron and Anthony Davis. And you better believe Wendy Gabriel can play between LeBron James and Anthony Davis in in a front court. Right now, he's he's the guy though that you might play if the other team has a big power wing that you want Anthony Davis to defend. Mm -hmm. right so that's the that's the that's the rock paper scissors of defensive matchups well because even before ad went out the guy that was in that spot was avery bradley it wasn't a forward
2: avery bradley's been a guard his whole career that's right right so he was starting at three and so the idea of a guy like
1: gabriel that's a completely different type of player it's why i thought that that position was so important because a player Mm -hmm. like gabriel who is like Honestly, we've been calling him a replacement level player. He's below replacement level. If he was actually replacement level, he'd be on a roster. Like, he would have been on a roster this entire season. He is a fringe, he is a fringy NBA player, right? And that's fine. That shows you, though, how many, like, almost non-NBA players the Lakers have had on their roster, right? And the team that the Lakers play tonight is Philly. You know who Philly's backup center is? DeAndre Jordan. You know what kind of struggles uh-huh. they've been having after they traded Andre Drummond as part of the deal to get James Harden, and now their now their bench unit, the bench unit big is DeAndre Jordan. You want Lakers fans? Do you imagine? Do you think you can imagine what their backup center minutes look like now? I know I can because I watched DeAndre Jordan play this season in a real role for a team that thought they were going to do something and. Guess how that worked out? It didn't work out very well. So I'm just very interested to see the path that the Lakers can take, especially when AD gets back, because AD is the tip of the spear when it comes to being able to defend these these big players. He is the ultimate answer. How do you stop a Joel Embiid? How do you stop or how do you limit a Joel Embiid? How do you limit a Nikola Jokic? You put Anthony Davis on them. But in the middle portions of the game, how you do that when AD is not the answer is, OK, well, can you put LeBron on him and can you swarm with these guys? Can you run and push the pace so fast that those guys are lagging behind the play? And these are the solutions that the Lakers can seek out with some of the personnel that they're finding works for them in this late stage of the season.
3: And just to, sum, to kind of sum up that, that point of view, so Stanley Johnson, William Gabriel, are as darius just alluded to kind of the the bargain basement of the player archetypes that we were talking about and wanting before the season started because we saw it before right because it's so a lot of that is pretty obvious and they've now at least gotten to the point where those guys can when lebron is on which he has been and when westbrook is at least much more on than he was then all of a sudden those guys don't have to do as much and just that player archetype works a lot better because you still have guys out of place, right? You still have either Monk or Reeves usually playing up more than he should. You, you still have all that stuff. Davis can come back and slot in a little bit better. But like you're, that's, that's all. At least there's been some pretty clear progress there. And then just a note on Philly Pete. We had had a discussion about them. It was, I don't know, it was almost two weeks ago now, I feel like. And I had watched them a lot since Harden first got there. And he was on absolute best Harden behavior. His energy looked great. He was moving a lot better. And Bede was totally energized by it. And then they've just hit this lull since then. You know, like they did beat Dallas, which was a good win. Dallas has been beating everybody. And they beat Cleveland in a close game, but like they lost to Toronto. They lost to Denver. They needed to go to overtime to beat Orlando. Um, they got walloped by Brooklyn. And they they to me now I have I have them outside of my group of Eastern teams that can actually win the East, which is I think where you were from the start. And one of the things that's really just killed them has been speed. Uh, and his, and so I, am mm-hmm. sure that you've had an eye on that ahead of this game. I, mm-hmm. I, I, do worry that Embiid having gone six for 20 last game for 21 points and having just seen LeBron pass him for the scoring title, I do fear that he's going to be at the free throw line 36 times, yep. uh, but, <laughs> but you know, this, if, any, <laughs> if I ever want your version of small ball that you used to coach in high school um and just running and sprinting all over the place, it, it would be tonight. You know, I, I think that's the, the way to get them tonight would be to turn on the jets, not try to rely on Dwight to like stop and Embiid and yeah. just let Embiid play in the perimeter, you know, and just encourage him to do that stuff.
2: Right there with you. That was certainly the, some of the thought but behind the idea for today's pod. And this won't be the last time we talk about Goliath and uh, the Goliaths around mm-hmm. the league. So, oh, we're getting a, a
3: well, yeah, my, my poor wife is He knows the, the 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 podcast is going on She has to literally take him outside uh, He has up, been dude? turnt up Trying to get to you guys So, you know, he uh, we at least let him come in For a caveat at the end He Alright, Rick,
2: say it with me You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast We'll catch you guys next time
1: Gaines <laughs> has got it in low to McHale McHale wants to turn his double team Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy Tip to Magic, Worthy dies on his belly Magic scores he fires again, and the
3: Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next one the win It's on the right Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're
0: seeing something that's very rare indeed a Laker to get MVP chance right, in, in Boston, of all places Are you kidding me? Kobe,
3: hard to believe Are you no kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol Pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell There's, There's the
0: move Two, What's one Missed! Unbelievable. Unbelievable It's over? It's over.